Ben, we have Maurice on the line here. What would you like to ask him? When it comes to deal sourcing, how have you managed that? And how has that maybe changed from when you were beginning? What's been the best way to get passive deal flow? Every time you do a deal as a multifamily investor, your credibility grows. And with credibility growth comes your ability to talk to real estate brokers, talk to property managers, et cetera, et cetera. And if you treat them with respect and courtesy, your reputation is going to grow and it will precede you. People will find out who you are before you even call. So I would actually suggest leverage the group that you are in now. They will have relationships by which Van can say, our group has done X number number of deals in the last 48 months, and I'm looking for the following profile of thing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 26 with experienced investor Mo Philogene and aspiring investor Van Hagen. Keep listening to learn how to increase your deal flow, build your reputation, and leverage experienced partners. And now, the show. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Uh, Very excited for today's show. This is one of our Ask the Expert episodes, and we have two amazing people on the line with us today. We got a guy with a ton of experience in this and other businesses and occupations. We got Maurice Philogene. He likes to be called Mo and a very motivated and energetic aspiring investor, Van Hagee. So first we'll talk about Mo. He's a senior executive, a real estate investor, a restaurant owner. He's explored 96 countries. He's a public servant and an inspiring philanthropist. His passion is serving clients in the consulting space and financial freedom via passive income. He acquires multifamily properties to generate passive income and build a legacy. So Mo, that's very impressive. With that said, welcome to the show. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. Now, tell the listeners where you are right now and uh, what what took you there. So today I am actually in Beirut, Lebanon. It is five o'clock in the afternoon on August the 15th. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm here, this is actually my fourth time in Lebanon itself since November 2019. I started coming back then just as to immerse myself in culture. Uh, made some friends and then kind of fell in love with the environment here. But if you've been watching the news on August the 4th, which was the day after my birthday, there was a massive explosion here that was considered the third worst blast in human history behind the two nuclear bombs or atom bombs that we dropped back in World War II. So a lot of people have been affected here. And as soon as I could physically get here to be a part of recovery, I wanted to be here. So I showed up a couple of days ago with a best friend of mine and we are trying to be as close to the people as possible. Now, now you told me before we were recording that you, you've donated funds and you delivered groceries to kitchens and a lot yeah. of stuff like that. Very commendable. Love it. And like I said, your bio says aspiring philanthropist. I, I think you're, you're already there. You're already doing it. And my hat's off to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So that said, let's talk a little bit about your background and your history uh, up until you decided to pursue apartment investing. Yeah. So my background is, so I come from an immigrant family. My family's Haitian. My brother and I were first generation born in New York, raised in Boston and ended up at the University of Virginia for, for college. Played football and did Air Force RTC, which led me in the military, which is a connection you and I have. I did the typical route, just like any other 
wannabe professional coming out of university. I was hired as a corporate executive for a global consulting firm, where I still am today. The deviation from the normal corporate path, if you will, or the normal W-2 path was that when I was 23, I bought my first, well, home, place to live. It wasn't necessarily an investment. It just so happened, Brian and Van, that this particular home was bought at the beginning of the real estate cycle boom in 2002. And a few months later, it was worth $30,000 more. After a conversation with my dad uh, at the time, because I was fairly young and didn't understand it, I understood that I had just made a bunch of equity. So fast forward about a year from there, I bought 10 more places. Fast forward another 14 years, I got to a position of financial freedom through single family homes. And then now I have moved over into commercial and multifamily buying large apartment complexes and mobile home parks. Well, Um, you you started at a young age, I mean, early 20s, which... Coincidentally, that, that's where, where Van is right now. So 20, you yeah. said 23 years old, you bought your first house. And yeah. the next couple of years, you bought a bunch more. Yes. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So did a bunch of single family, became financially free. What, what got you into multifamily? You know, that's a great question. So it was not about money at all or anything of that nature. It wasn't anything material. Because by that time, so I started in 2002, I claim in 2014, I had enough passive income coming in, which equaled the salary of my corporate employer. So in, in theory, I was free because obviously enough passive income coming in where I don't have to go to work. But all of this stuff that we do, at least for me and my business partners and the people that I associate with, it's all a mechanism of personal development. And because I had been doing single family for so long, I knew that there was more out there. I just wasn't growing as a person anymore. Wasn't growing as a person, wasn't growing as an investor. I wasn't challenged by doing the same old thing, which was buying condos and trying to get them paid off with salary over time. So I invested in myself, enrolled myself in a seminar, had some limiting beliefs to kind of getting over the hump to purchasing my first multifamily. So I hired a mentor. And then by 2006, 16, 2017, I had finally put a contract on my first multifamily. So it was a personal growth area. And then secondly, very quickly, it quickly became a legacy thing where I didn't grow up with a lot. So I want to make sure that not only does my family have a legacy to fall back on, but my kids have a basis by which they can operate in the future. So it became very much a, how am I going to impact my family over time space? That was the move. Yeah. Now, as, as uh, now you said, you're you're a son of a Haitian immigrant. You were born here. I've been to Haiti, and it's not a rich country by any metric at all. It's I think it's one of the poorest countries ever. So I can just imagine the the childhood and and the life your parents had and why they came here. But yeah, it's it's commendable. I know, I know a lot of people who are who are doing exactly the same thing. They they want their kids. I want to do the exact same thing. I want my kids to have a legacy. I want them to have you know a lot of the things that I didn't grow up with. But well, good, good enough. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the projects that you've done. Some of the you can either talk about one deal specifically, or kind of what your investment philosophy is in general for apartments. Yeah, I'd love to. So my my path has evolved. That that span of time from O two to two thousand fourteen that I spoke about, I did everything on my own. So mm-hmm. I got up to thirty five single families, self managing. It was just very difficult, and I gave up my twenties. I always say that I gave up my 20s and early 30s dealing with tenants, termites, and toilets on weekends. 
I got smarter in the multifamily space where I made a connection with a business partner of mine named Erin Hudson. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. We are now part of something called Quattro Capital. We formed Quattro Capital earlier this year. Okay. It's because we, we were like-minded in that we wanted to do real estate, one, to take care of our families, two, to not compete with the industry. We're not competing. Uh, people are making that mistake, in my opinion. We are just creating with each other, creating passive flows for ourselves and families, passive flows for our investors, that type of thing. So we connected with two other investors by the name of Kim Wenlin and Chad Sutton. And now since then, Tammy Sutton has joined and we are Quattro Capital. And you can find us at the Quattro Way, W-A-Y.com, because we just have a different philosophy. And our philosophy is we're buying workforce housing or you know, C-class properties, hopefully in B-class or emerging markets for the specific purpose of giving folks quality homes. But also when it comes to raising money from investors, we like to be intimately involved with whatever our partner's goals are. Mm-hmm. So we do way more JVs than we do syndications, although we're yeah. getting a little bit bigger and want to do them. But people have goals and people have values and people are investing their money for different reasons. And we want to know exactly what those things are. And there are people like Van, who we're going to talk to soon, who are newer to the space, but are quality people and quality professionals in their own right. And we are a team that kind of wraps ourselves around newer investors. We sponsor their deals. We welcome them into the team, educate them on financial diligence, physical diligence, all those things. So that is our philosophy. And in the last year, just as a result, we've closed on 102 so far together. We have another 40 under contract. Actually, as of yesterday, another 90, 95 under contract and another 350, 400 in the pipeline. So it's, it's going well. I like to point out a couple of things. Getting that relationship, this is very much a relationships business. And I, I love that you're focused on those relationships. You're, you're focused on your investors and what your investors need. And I, I think that's an amazing business plan. Not everybody does that. A lot of people are looking at investors as transactions. I'm not saying everybody does, but there are a lot of people that are looking at you know, investors as transactions and not really focusing on that, that aspect. I think right. it's more rewarding going that direction. And you're probably going to do better long-term focusing on the investor and what they need. Yeah, I, I think so, Brian. And I, I would rather, I, I want to go back to the statement that I made about creating versus competing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in the syndication business or in the multifamily investing business are trying to get to a certain number of units. I don't care about the number of units. What I care about is how much passive income have we generated such that it's affecting somebody's family yeah. or it allows them to leave their W-2 employer or allows them to travel the world so they can be happy. Like those are our metrics, not how much, how many assets we collect over time or, or what have you. So I would rather be in this space and connect with people and do, do good things, have a good life. And multifamily gives us, gives me the vehicle to do that. So it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, along the way, you're, you're helping a lot of people. You're giving quality investment opportunities to help other people do what they want, to help other people live off of their passive income. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's one of the one of the good things about the syndication business in general. I know you said you did a lot of JVs, and I do think that JVs are probably the better way to go when you're when you're looking at investment philosophies. So anyway, really, really happy for you and what you've accomplished. What's next for you? Well, it goes, thanks for asking. It goes along the lines of growth, personal growth. Mm-hmm. 
so now that I'm part of Quattro Capital, we have just, we hired a business coach for ourselves because we want to achieve certain metrics that we've set for ourselves. We want to partner with additional people. But all of that is so I can, now I'm just talking about me personally, so I can live life the way that I want to live. One of the reasons why you're talking to me and I'm in Lebanon today is because those types of, those type of happiness activities, if I want to travel the world solo, I do it. If I want to travel the world with my two kids and they will uh, go back to it as soon as the Corona stuff dies down, we're going to do it. I am trying, so I'm at a point in my life, I'm 45. Mm-hmm. I can continue to grind, grind, grind. Been in corporate America for 23, been in the real estate side for 18, been a police officer for 12, was in the military for 22. Like I've, I've put in my work, if you yeah. will. So I, I do not want to wait, Brian, until I'm 65 to do all the things that I want to do, whether it's travel, learn a fifth language, learn a, another skill. I will continue. But, and then lastly, I will continue to do those things on the real estate side, but that's so I can teach people about financial freedom and financial education because I love that piece of it. So I'm starting to be a coach uh, and take on students, if you will, but from a financial freedom perspective, because that's different than just pure real estate investing. Investing is just a tool. So that's probably next for me at this point. It's focusing on other people and then the happiness of my family and uplifting where I can. Yeah, I'm I'm focused on one of the comments that you made and and back to what you're doing now in, in Beirut. There's a lot of people who have hearts of gold. You know, I tell my wife, she's got a heart of gold. She always wants to give to other people. And and so do I. But a lot of people have a heart of gold on, you know, maybe a bronze budget. But if if you want to be able to get out there and help, when you see something in the world, honestly, it takes money to be able to help other people. I mean, there's a lot of people who can do it without or who have done it without, but it takes money to be able to, you know, get on a plane and fly out there. It takes money to be able to donate to the good organizations that are helping out there. And if you've created those passive income streams, just like you said, you'll be able to live the life that you want, either as a philanthropist, a world traveler, whatever. So that's right. That's right. And one last point. Yeah. It's, it's time wealth, Brian. Passive income flows create time for us because they allow us to be anywhere and funds are still coming in so you can live and take care of yourself and reinvest. Yeah. That resource that it gives you time that's the valuable resource. So you can go do all these other things. But to be very clear, because I do have assets or took the time to build assets over time or and have a lot of relationships the way you were talking about, because real estate is relationships, it took me three days to raise $12,000 and money is still coming in. Mm-hmm. So it is giving me the, the means by which I can impact people's lives on a greater scale. And I would like to do it even larger in the future. So yeah, that, you know, that philanthropy side of it is definitely taking hold now as a priority. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the best definitions of wealth I think I've ever heard is not in terms of money, but just like you said, in terms of time, you know, your wealth is measured by how long you can live without having to work again. So if you've got passive income streams to the point to where you can live indefinitely, that, that is true wealth. And I really appreciate that you, you brought that up. Wealth is, is time. That, that's what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's introduce our next guest, you know, aspiring investor, Van Hagee. Uh, he's a budding multifamily syndicator in Austin, Texas. He's studying mechanical engineering at the University of Texas. I recently took a semester off to work full-time as an engineer in Dallas. And while doing that, he, he realized that that may, may not be the best route for him. So he started reading, learning, and searching for ways to create financial freedom. And basically stumbled upon and fell in love with multifamily real estate. 
So that said, Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Brian. And uh, I also want to say thank you, Maurice, first of all, for your service in a ton of different ways. I really look up to that story and I, I think I have a lot of the same values. Good, good. Well, Van, while we got you here, let's let's talk a little bit about you. What's what's your background? What's your history? And what brought you to the point to where you wanted to invest in apartments? So like you said, I kind of got like coming out of high school, didn't know exactly what to do, but I guess I had the resource and the environment to go to college. And I said, what the heck? I like cars. Um, and then about halfway through the degree, I realized it wasn't going to be for me. And then like I, I did that long internship where I really was working full time quote unquote, 40 hours a week, more like 60. And I really got a feel for like what it feels like to go to a job that you maybe don't, doesn't empower you. You don't see a bright future in. And I had this big existential crisis and I was like, okay, how do I separate my time from my money? Right. Um, And then got into random things like options trading, wholesaling, just anything I can do to have money coming in while I sleep basically. And then eventually stumbled on real estate. And then I actually, my mindset at first was I'm going to get some duplexes. I'm going to have these 30 units and laid out the bigger pockets way. And okay, I need to, and then I kind of made a spreadsheet, did the numbers and I said, well, this is going to work. Like this isn't maybe going to get me to where I want to go. Cause, and then I actually talked to one of my buddies who's in the multifamily syndication space. He kind of opened my eyes to it and the fact that it's possible and that I don't have to wait until I'm 60 and rich in a suit to buy apartments. And basically stumbled into that whole space and just fell in love with it. And like I said, I really aligned with Maurice, kind of what he was talking about, that my biggest driver for getting into this stuff is the the financial freedom that comes with it. So weirdly, this is kind of funny to say because I'm 21 and don't have a wife, first of all, but like I want to be the dad at every baseball game, every dance recital. I want to be everywhere I need to be in my kids' lives, my family's life, uh, my parents' life as fast as possible and as much as possible. So, Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's important. I mean, I, I have five kids and I would say, you know, looking back, the the most fulfilled and the happiest times for me were, were the times where I was able to be the dad. I, I've had jobs that, like you said, are 60, sometimes 80, 100 hour a week jobs all in the military, but I've also had a couple of assignments where I was able to be home at four o'clock every day. Being able to spend that time with the kids is much more fulfilling than spending that time doing whatever for your your engineering company or for the government in that matter. So, well, good, good. So why apartments? Like I kind of said, for one, I fell into the space, specifically LinkedIn, and I saw all these guys and what they're doing. And I said, wow, you can really create massive wealth. And again, the more people I talk to, the more I realize that like, this is it. Like, this is how you separate your time from your income mm-hmm. is obviously wholesaling. That's yeah. a job. As soon as you stop working, the money stops coming. And even single family, not to say that there's anything wrong with it, but you can just scale so fast with apartments and you can get third-party management in there and you can operate a deal for an hour, two hours a week, see the bigger returns, the bigger you go. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of leverage in this business. You know, there's leverage on money and there's leverage on time as well. Because like you said, you know, that third party management's key. If you get a third party management on all your units, you're only spending a handful of hours every week managing hundreds of units. And it's, it's more than a couple hours, depending on where you are in each phase. But I like to say it's, it's a buy one, get one 
with multifamily. If you're getting a 20 plex, it's kind of a buy one, get 20. You know, if you're buying a 40, it's buy one, get 40. And then with a scale, I mean, you, you, you did the spreadsheet. I had a point, you know, probably about five years ago where I sat down and spreadsheeted things. I had a bunch of single family and I wanted to figure out how many single family homes would I need to hit my number. And I remember buying two a year is what I, what I had on there at two single family per year. It was going to take me 30 years to be able to replace the income I yeah. had in the military. So anyway, that part we're, we're alike, pulled out the spreadsheet and kind of scratched her head and said, the single family thing. Now, Maurice did it successfully. I'm not saying you can't do it successfully. Maurice absolutely did. But speaking of, Ben, we have Maurice on the line here. What would you like to ask him? So I guess, first of all, before I get into like the more granular questions, I kind of just wanted to hear... Uh, your perspective, Mo, on just like what it was like, because obviously you're very passionate about your corporate job. And that's something that I don't take for granted. Maybe the engineering job wasn't the fit for me, but I love the idea of having like a huge, because you can have massive impact at a big company, especially at a global consulting firm. What was kind of like your mental struggle or, or lack of struggle with thinking like, well, now I have enough passive income. Should I quit my job or should I keep having an impact? Yeah. Two things. One, great question. Two things. Oh, actually, great question. And listen, Van, if you're 21 years old and thinking about multifamily, you've got to solve beat because <laughs> you've got so much time to get this stuff down. I'm just hyper impressed that you, you'd even be talking about these topics right now. So good on you. My, the, the company that I work for served a purpose for me personally. Remember I told you, I think through personal growth a lot. I sacrificed a lot in my corporate career by not following the traditional upward mobility path, staying in Washington, D.C., striving to be a partner or other, those things. I actually took on international assignments outside of my home division or home unit because I was more worried about the life experience in working in D.C., Portugal, Sweden, Finland, Norway, Hong Kong. So I did all those things. So I sought out, when I was in my 20s, when I got hired by them and realized that they were a global consulting firm and there were opportunities in different environments because I'm so international-minded, that's why I stuck. But also, that company, to their credit, let me do things like I wanted to go back to grad school and play football. I had a tryout for the NFL after college, didn't make it, but I just missed playing football. So I enrolled in grad school and asked the company if I could work part-time for a semester, 20 hours, and then go play football. They were like, yeah, great. I asked to work from home. They set that up. Fantastic. So it gave me the life experiences that I want, and I, could, I cared less about the titles that I would miss. I'm not a titles guy. I'm a life experience guy. That's the first thing. The second thing is, even though I had the passive income, if you, if you have a W2, there's nothing wrong with working. I like working, obviously. So I decided to keep working because the income that I was getting from the jobs on top of the passive income from the properties was just hyper-fueling my next acquisitions. So it doesn't take me a long time to generate enough money for down payment or for earnest money or something like that. So I kept as many income flows as possible. And then lastly, I, I still enjoy what I do. So as long as they contribute to my life balance, I'm, I'm still good with it. Cool. And did that ever feel like too much? Like, did, did you always feel comfortable with it? Or at some points, were you considering dropping the career? Or It sounds like they were super accommodating. 
I think you you will always have your moments. I never never thought about leaving. Never never had to. Never ran into a situation awesome. where I needed to. I see the horizon now, to be honest, just because there's things with my kids, just like Brian was talking about. I want to be around for both my kids when they do certain things and travel around the world with them. We're working on RVing together now. But for the most part, it, 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 all, works, it all worked out really well, and they were super accommodating. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. That's ni- nice to have uh, an employer that does that for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's... And I guess one more before I get kind of into like the technical things is like, it's just super, super, like I I really look up to your career and just how you've managed your time and your energy. And because like I said, the the first number one biggest goal right now for me is get my passive income to a point where I can spend as much time with whoever I need to and um, do what I want, not in a vain sense, like. I don't want any Lamborghinis. I don't want any of that. I want quality yeah. time. And that's like, like you said, the most valuable resource. But beyond that, when it gets into philanthropy, that's also like a huge thing that I feel called to. Because like you said, even learning the word multifamily at 21, that's out of my control. I have no, like, this is just, I stumbled upon this and now I feel like I have this duty to do as much as I can. And I think, like you said, rather than treating your investors and especially like your tenants, as means to an end, getting in there and like, improving their lives is really, really like a huge point for me. So how are you kind of doing that with your tenants? Yeah. In the single family space, I still have tenants that were with me when I started in 03 and I still know them personally, although I don't manage properties anymore. I care. Like I'm giving, we are, we are giving someone a home by which they're going to raise their kids, cook dinner for their family, keep their family safe from thunderstorms. It's, it's, it matters. And I would rather, earn eight fifty a month in rent and keep a good family around, then boost it to nine twenty-five just because I can, because I'm gonna drive up the value of the building. The reason I have that perspective is because I already have enough passive income to live on. So I I don't need a lot. I never was the person that you just suggested, Dan, who bought all the cars and the houses. I never did any of that. I I stayed away from it. I still drive my two thousand five paid off infinity, still have a humble home. I could go out and buy a a state or something. I'll never do it. It's just a waste. It's consumerism at its best. And I've never been interested in that. But the way that I focus on residents is I'm giving them quality housing for quality prices and they stick with me. The best example I can give you is a mobile home park that we bought in the middle of a, it was a 17 acre tract of land in Pennsylvania. As soon as we bought it, a developer came and offered several million more a few days later than we bought it for. Meanwhile, there are fixed income families that live in that park, 70 year old or grandmoms and grandpas who are living off social security or disabled veterans or people who are piecing together five part-time jobs to pay. I'm not kicking those people out just so I can make another million dollars. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I feel good going to bed every night knowing that I'm providing residents good housing. So it's something that I care about a lot. That's awesome. I really look up to that. Yeah, I love it too. I mean, that's a, it's a much different focus than most people have. And, and you're right. Most investors, if they were if they were offered a million more within a couple of days or weeks, would have walked away with a million dollars. It's yeah. very admirable that your, your focus is on those the, the tenants and the residents of your, your properties. For sure. So I guess now I get into like the actual multifamily <laughs> stuff. So you talk about the noise in the industry. 
coming from experience of like a new investor, there is yeah. no noisier place to be. Do my course, do my mentorship, do my whatever. And yeah. I think really one of the biggest things I've been struggling with kind of that path to the first deal. And I just wanted to hear your perspective on like, is it smarter to start with a duplex, get your hands dirty? Should you be looking for your own 10 to 20 unit? Should you be looking to like take a slice of a bigger, find some operators and like add value and take a smaller slice? Or like, how, how do you find is the best way to like get new operators into the space? I will respond to that question the same way that investors that the same way that I talk to investors or potential partners that are going to work with me or suggest it, the, the immediate thing that I say is what's, what's the why and why are you doing this? If you are doing it because you just want to generate, you know, your monthly number for freedom and you got to generate four grand worth of passive income because you have two grand worth of bills. You don't need to be worrying about a 300 unit complex. You could probably do something simpler. If you believe that you're going to be a larger operator and in your belly, you feel the fire to be that type of person because you want to generate large flows for whatever reason, then whether, I don't care. Like if you want to have a huge estate for your house and that's your why, then that's your why. And then you, you go after the, the thing that will support your why. That is a mistake that people make in this business is that the people who don't have a why and who are just going after units for the sake of units, eventually they're going to make a mistake, a bad one, because they're, they are not gatherers. They are hunters. They're just going after numbers and metrics and potentially not dealing with the backend stuff, which is the asset management. But the reason I was able to do all that stuff, Van, over th- those two decades of how did you work and the real estate and the cop stuff and the military and the take care of your kids, because I had a why which was I did not want to be stuck in the matrix doing things that I didn't want to do. I wanted to travel. I wanted to be connected to amazing people like Brian and yourself, right? And build new relationships. And it made the real estate part so easy to do. The struggle was worth it. So figure out what your why is and then partner with the right people to do it. Everything, Van, that you are trying to do, somebody else has done it already. Go find those people. Yeah. Does that make does that make sense? Yes, sir. I mean, that, that's really cool. And I actually, I, you know, I got goosebumps because like I kind of, <laughs> I feel that. Luckily, I won't shout them out and embarrass them. But, but I found some guys who really do like align with kind of my why, like you said, both with kind of my material goals and like my faith as well. And kind of thinking about like, and, and yourself as well. Like I said, you, you, you have a really cool path. It kind of, I'm at the very, very beginning of it, but it's, it's kind of what I want mine to look like. So. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll echo on what he said. One of my favorite quotes, and it's, it's from a children's book, Alice in Wonderland. You know, Alice basically asked the Cheshire cat, which way she should go. And his answer is just amazing. Is if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. It's one of those things, and I I tend to do the same thing when people ask me for advice, is I ask them, where are you going? Figure out where you're going. And usually, once you got that nailed, the path is just going to be immediately obvious on what you have to do to get there. So, yeah, I echo his sentiment. You know, if you're you're okay with the $4,000 a month, if that's what you want, it's not going to take you a whole lot to get 10 plexes, 20 plexes, things like that. We'll, We'll get you there quicker than trying to syndicate the two, three, 400 unit property. Sweet. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's great. And one, one more thing, Van, for you, 
Okay, you are now connected to Brian and you're connected to myself. That's two more resources that you have at your early phase of being 21 that will probably save you a decade's worth of relationships you don't have to go find on your own. You know what I mean? You're doing the right things right now, believe it or not, just by engaging in these types of conversations. Just, I would, I would encourage you to lean even further forward. It sounds like you found a mentor or a group you resonate with. Get involved with the deal, learn by osmosis, be on the phone calls, see their mistakes and their successes. You are well ahead of the game, my friend, compared to most who are at your age bracket. Yeah. And, you know, not, not throwing out names. I, I know the group you're talking about. We talked a little bit about them prior to, and I, I've talked to several people in that group. They're quality people and they are the type of people you want to align yourself with. And I think Mo said this before, you're in your early twenties. I wish when I was that age, I had as much clarity as you did. You're, you're probably 15 to 20 years ahead of where I was by the time I got that, that level of clarity. So definitely you're, you're on the right path. You're aligning yourself with good people that have the same values as you and are looking to basically make money for the same purposes. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, I feel so fuzzy inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if you, if you stick with those guys, they're, they're going to do you well. Thank you all so much. Yeah. All right. So what else you got? You got another question or two? Yeah. Yeah. If we got time, speaking of that, I kind of, to finish with kind of a buzzkill one, <laughs> uh, when it comes to deal sourcing, that's kind of the biggest problem I've been finding, especially in like the COVID environment. And how have you managed that? And how has that maybe changed from when you were beginning trying to establish relationships with brokers to now? What's been the best way to get passive deal flow? I, that's a good question. I, the, the first deal I ever did was because a partner of mine built a relationship with an investor and that investor was connected to my first seller. So we found an off-market deal. But since that first deal, my credibility has been, t- every time you do a deal as a, as a multifamily investor, your, your credibility grows. And with credibility growth comes your ability to talk to real estate brokers, talk to property managers, et cetera, et cetera. And if you treat them with respect and courtesy, your reputation is going to grow and it will precede you. People will find out who you are before you even call. And if they can't figure out who you are, then chances are it's going to be very hard to talk with them. So I would actually suggest leverage the group that you are in now, whatever that group is, because clearly somebody in there has been in this business for a while, and they will have relationships by which Van can say, hey, I'm teamed with Robert, and our group has done, we've closed X number of deals in the last 48 months, and I'm looking for the following profile of thing. And you build a relationship with brokers. I think 60%, if you ever heard of the pyramid of productivity, look it up if you haven't, but most of my most of my green time or my dark green time or where I set myself up and my team up for success in terms of acquiring assets assets is spent calling people. I'm on the phone constantly with potential investors, existing investors, brokers, property managers. And I don't, I cannot recall the last time that I ended a conversation without saying, Hey, is there anybody else you think I should speak to that has my philosophy that'd be interested in talking about financial freedom, loves to travel, has two kids like me, 
And most of the time, the conversations aren't even necessarily about real estate. It's just connecting as people. So if you don't have any credibility right now, that's okay. Leverage the people around you to get that credibility. Once they realize your character, then they'll be willing to make a phone call for you and get you started. Once you start getting into one deal, two deals, then you'll, you'll be off to the races and you'll be able to have conversations easier on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree on that one. It, it was tough for us without a lot of credibility. You know, talking about me and my, my three partners at Four Oaks Capital, it was tough for us getting that first deal under contract because we didn't have a lot of track record. But once we showed the ability to close, brokers came to us. And there, there's so many brokers that have reached out to me personally now that that track record is key. And if you can lean on other people's experience, that's going to open a lot of doors for you. All right. Well, we're, we're out of time right now. So last question for both of you. Mo, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, great. So I run in three places. I'm on Instagram, just mm-hmm. Maurice Philogene. And I throw out the Instagram thing because I speak more about life-related things there. All this investing and income thing, income stuff that we're doing, acquiring assets so I can go live really well. So Instagram is an awesome place to catch me. I'm on LinkedIn at Maurice Philogene as well. And then we are slowly starting to get our branding up because Quattro is getting bigger. So you can find me at the Quattro way, W-A-Y.com. Perfect. We'd love to work with you. All right. And Van, same question for you. How can the listeners get in touch with you? Yeah. So same thing. I'm getting pretty active on LinkedIn. You can find me just at Van Hagee. And then also you can find my company's website, oxumcapital.com, A-U-X-U-M, capital. And then as well, but depending on when this drops, you might be able to check into my podcast kind of along the lines with uh, what we've been talking about. It's called Live Like You Mean It, kind of about like the big why behind real estate investing. So, All right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mo, I appreciate your time and your, your focus. I really enjoy that your, your focus on personal development and giving back. And you, know, you, you had a ton of tweetable quotes you know, in this. Wealth is measured in time. Life is about experiences and not titles. And, and quite frankly, I really appreciate this episode was more about persona and less about real estate. Sometimes that's, that's really the why behind what a lot of people are doing. I'm glad we explored that today. Um, Van, yeah. like I said, you're, you're light years ahead of me by pursuing this in your 20s. And I'm excited to see your growth and what's up for you in the future. And like Mo said, you know, you've got me, you've got Mo, you've got a lot of people. Reach out if you ever need anything. Thank you, first of all, so much for having me on, Brian. Thank you so much for talking with me, Mo. And this has been yeah, really, no problem. Really so, no yeah. problem. Connect with me. We'll we'll talk in the background. Yes, sir. So once again, thanks again to both of you for being on the show today. You guys brought a ton of value, and that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show. So pull out your phone, tap subscribe and leave us a five star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.